Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for a full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the juice to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. We've had, again, children with bona fide autoimmune diseases with antibodies in the hundreds change the diet, and by the time we repeated in three weeks, that number's cut in half just by changing the diet. We haven't done anything. Kids that have been on very harsh pharmaceuticals with significant potential side effects, and they've sent us pictures in two months and we didn't even recognize the child. They're putting weight, you know, it's, it's amazing. If you just give the body what it needs, it can do so much better. Hello, this is Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I'm joined with Dr. Maya Walton. She's the Chief Medical Officer and co-founder of the M Center for Integrative Wellness. She's a board-certified pediatrician by the American Board of Pediatrics and an active member of the Institute for Functional Medicine and the Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs, and has been in practice for almost 20 years. She completed her internship and residency at the prestigious Children's Hospital of Los Angeles and has been practicing for over 15 years. She remained on staff at CHLA and Cedar sinai Medical Center in Beverly Hills until moving to Georgia, where she's now on staff at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. After experiencing health challenges and learning differences with her own children and watching them blossom, utilizing a more traditional and holistic paradigm, Dr. Walton decided to redirect her career so that she could help other families like hers. Dr. Walton specializes in ASD, ADHD, learning differences, PANS, PANDAS, and chronic conditions like autoimmune disease. Dr. Walton, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. You know, it's interesting. I find more and more people that I've talked to that practice holistic medicine, such as functional medicine or naturopathic or integrative medicine, typically kind of start this path after either themselves have gone through some transformation or family or friends. And 
I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story on how you determined to make this transitional change into what you're doing right now. Yes, we all have a story. That is true. Um, part of the story begins actually in school and in training where you know, I was kind of always a kid that had questions. Why? How does that work? And how come? And, you know, there just weren't necessarily answers that I was looking for available um, in the Western or allopathic paradigm. And then once I got married and had kids, my son, a um, little background, my husband, his father, and his father all developed type 1 or juvenile diabetes in their 20s. But their sisters are fine. So we're already kind of on notice that there may be some risks. Um, and then his mother also has two autoimmune diseases as well. So I actually harvested both of my children's stem cells. Um, and then by the time my son was born, core tissue was um, able to be harvested as well. And my thought at that time was, you know, hopefully we will never need it, but maybe it's something that could be used therapeutically to help my husband and or my children if need be ever in the future. So fast forward. He was 20 months old and, um, you know, he was a very bright, engaging child. He was actually able to count before he was even a year old. I was pushing him in the swing and counting for another child. And he chimed in at about 11 months old. And I kind of paused, but kept going. And then my friend that was with me was like, wait a minute, did he just say seven? And I said, okay, you heard that too. I thought <laughs> it was me. Um, and then at about 20 months old, he contracted RSV, respiratory syndactyl virus, which is a very, very common childhood illness, most common cause of wheezing in a young child. Um, and I noticed shortly thereafter, he just began to slowly withdraw. He wasn't as engaged. Um, he completely went mute, stopped talking. Um, we had his birthday party. We had a house full of people and it was like no one else was there. You know, I tried to engage him with eye contact and he averted his vision away from wherever I was. Um, and so we went to his pediatrician, you know, two-year well child check, kind of knowing where this was going. Um, and she said, well, you know, he registers on the MCHAT, but just barely, but I see him sitting there letting me read him a book, but we'll do the referrals anyway, just to be on the safe side. And in the interim, let's feed his brain. So she recommended that I start him on omega-3s. I went straight to the store, gave him one dose, Woke up in the morning, walked in his room and called his name and boom, he looked me right in the eye. And I said, oh, okay, there's something here. The next day, one of my best friends had a case of books from Amazon on my doorstep about how autism was treatable. So I read everything again, you know me, with a grain of salt, but I kept seeing things that made sense to me in my personal and family history and his story. Um, and then I went to the CDC website and there was also mention at that time of anti-yeast treatment um, and so called this doctor, hey, this is what I'm reading. This is the research. I'll drop it off at your office. Would you be okay with implementing this for him? So she said, okay. We started um, some anti-yeast treatment on Friday. By Sunday, which was Easter Sunday, I was talking to my daughter saying, say cheese, say cheese, so we could take a picture. And he leaned in and went, ee, hadn't spoken in months. Hmm. So that's what really got my wheels spinning. Um, and started digging deeper for some of those other things that are kind of missing from your standard allopathic curriculum. We learn all about the Krebs cycle and all those long, funny sounding terms, but we don't learn about the different vitamins and minerals and heavy metals that influence those enzymes and those pathways. Um, so I went and took my son to his own MAPS doctor at the time. 
Um, and we just kind of discussed, you know, hey, how RSV is in the same family of viruses as measles both of which can just cause a very nasty immune response. And so it just all started to make sense. Um, and I did some more work up on my own son and realized, you know, his propensity for having, you know, a TH1 lean um, with his immune system, like the rest of the men in the family, was starting to manifest. So we've been working really hard for the last few years to modulate and calm down his inflammation and immune response. Um, support his micronutrient deficiencies um, and give him what we can to kind of help his brain reconnect and heal. And so he is starting to talk again. He can do simple math. He can do, I mean, he's not a hundred percent there yet, but he's still reminding us of how intelligent he is and how much he can do. He's meeting all of his goals with his therapist. Every six months they come back and say, whew, he met all his goals, so we have to make up some new ones and, and see where else we can help him. And they're starting to run out of things they can <laughs> they can find to justify continuing to come. So it's a nice problem to have. That's amazing. How old is your son now? He is eight now. He's eight. And and this at what age did he have the RSV and things started to change? So that was right at twenty months. So it was right okay. after Christmas that so January, and his birthday's years. in April. Um, and by the time we had his party, just slowly over the next few months, he just started to disappear. Um, and then by the time we had his doctor's appointment, uh, I think it was around April. And then we saw the MAPS doctor by June, July and just been going since then. Right. Now, it's, it's I mean, this is all theory in my mind, um, but I, I always feel that everyone has their own tipping point. And, you know, everyone's full of toxic burden, you know, whether you're born into this world with a toxic burden or you acquire this after many, many years living on this earth and being around just toxic substances, whether it's ingested or environmentally. Do you think he had a toxic burden and, and there was something that tipped him over? And was, it, was it the RSV, do you think, that tipped him over? Or was I there other things that were going on? I think that was the final straw. Yeah. I do think that was the kind of the, the tipping point for him. But... Um, when I was pregnant with him, which is common with many women who have children on the spectrum, I had a god-awful immune response. I had a terrible mm. rash that I would just wake up with blood on the sheets, couldn't figure out. It was, you know, the itching was intense. Three different, different doctors got a skin biopsy, which finally just said it was chronic urticaria or chronic hives, microscopically. But on the surface, it was just a bunch of bruising. And so in hindsight, that was my first sign that there was already some immune predisposition um, mm -hmm. issues there. Um, I developed serious uh, candida. So even bona fide thrush, my OB was like, let me see. I've never seen that before in an adult, you know? So I was, right. my immune system really tanked. And so, and these are things and this was that while you were pregnant. While I was pregnant and I did not wow. have, my daughter's older and I did not have those issues during her pregnancy. I had different issues. Every pregnancy is different. Um, just more aches and pains with her, but with him, and I kind of was like, Ooh, maybe I'm allergic to boys, but it was clear that his immune system was already kind of interacting with mine. Um, and so, you know, we eat pretty clean. Um, you know, we do try to minimize some exposures, you know, I, since then, of course, I've gone, you know, I guess overboard with making sure all of our water is clean. We get food from local farms here that I know is organic, you know, so I, I go the extra, extra mile. But, you know, living in this country, it's just really, really hard. You have to work really hard to reduce your exposure 
Um, and then, of course, part of his protocol that we have done up to this point did include detoxifying from some of the toxicants. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. And to me, I mean, autism and, and the spectrum itself is really plaguing uh, our society. And I believe it's what one in thirty-two that um, yes. have that the spectrum. Yes. And then, you know, within ten years, they're predicting that it's going to be one in two or one in three. Correct. And so that's where I take issue with people looking for a gene. There isn't a gene. You don't get a genetic shift that quickly. We were at like one in 10,000 just a couple of decades ago, and now we're right. you know, almost in single digits. So yes, there are a constellation of genes that make you more susceptible to some of these environmental insults. And so it's typically not one thing. And we, you know, there's a saying in our community, if you seen one kid with autism, then you've seen one kid with autism. Mm -hmm. You know, just when we think we've got a rhythm and we've seen it all, then we have, you know, a red herring. Oh, wow. Okay. So it makes it, and I love that because it makes me think and look at things from different perspectives and angles and it keeps me stimulated. It's definitely not a boring discipline. Um, but, you know, every child is different and their constellation of exposures and genetic makeup is different. But oftentimes we do see within the family tree buckets of similarities, um, lots of autoimmune diseases, cancer, Alzheimer's, um, and things of that nature where, where we will see um, repeated patterns throughout right. the family. How do you, what's your approach? Do you take a prophylactic approach, you know, when you're counseling folks who are perhaps even considering to having a child or do you cancel them during the pregnancy or do you just wait until after the baby's born? So what's, what's, what's your All approach? All of the above. Okay. All of the above. So since we started our practice a few years ago, there has been um, an increase or request for just regular well care. So we have added that to our practice. And so we do have families where we were seeing one child and the mother is expecting. And so we, if, you know, she's willing to, which many of them are, we do set up protocols. I do have recommendations before you even try to conceive again. Um, what people don't realize is babies are parasites. They are going to suck at your disadvantage everything from you, but sometimes that also includes toxicants like heavy metals. So we did have one family where the mom talked about how wonderful she felt during her pregnancy and after the baby was born, it was the best she ever felt in her life. You're like, ah, that's because he got all of your mercury. <laughs> oh, so, really? Yeah. Yeah. So the kid's mercury lows through the roof. Um, and and was so this child like born with uh, being on the spectrum? They are now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so what we try to counsel people about as well as detoxifying and preparing the mother's body before you even conceive. Um, there are oftentimes also um, issues with conception or miscarriages. And so then we might find out the mom had an undiagnosed autoimmune disease or thyroid disorder or both. Um, so again, going through the whole story in such detail helps us um, to give recommendations for the rest of the family. And oftentimes, you know, the apple just doesn't fall far from the tree. So <clears throat> as we make recommendations for one child, for instance, about diet and nutrition, the whole house changes. And then everyone's like, wow, my knees don't hurt in the morning anymore. Whatever the case may be, the whole family starts to feel and do better. Better. Yeah. And then. I mean, obviously pregnancy is something that we, we, sometimes we can plan it. Sometimes it just happens, you know, Correct. what, I, I mean, I guess if you're going to plan on a pregnancy, 
the best approach to this would be to really look at your diet from a holistic perspective, not only a diet, but your lifestyle, and really optimize your health prior to going into a state of pregnancy. How long of a period do you think a person needs to clean themselves up, so to speak, before they consider having a child? That's a tricky question because it can vary. Um, it depends on the amount of the toxic load. One thing I do want to do an aside and mention is you don't want to detoxify during pregnancy or breastfeeding mm. because that will increase the excretion of your toxicants into the baby and your breast milk. So I do want to make sure we, we point that out. Um, and we do have colleagues that see adults that we work with. So if we have serious concerns, mom has any you know notable chronic illnesses or complaints, then we will refer um, to a colleague who can you know do the testing and walk them through the detoxification process. Mm -hmm. And you know it's not always about taking stuff out. It's also about building up what's there and making sure they have active forms of folate and B12 and things like that that their body can actually use, which may require you know you know, trying different versions, doing some labs, um, maybe even some genetics um, with that, um, because everyone can't tolerate all of those methyl groups as well. So it's not a one size fits all. And I do want to say with respect to genetics, we don't treat genes either. We, if we find some genes that may be concerning or some variants that may be concerning, then we look at labs to see if it's actively doing anything. Because as you know, there's genetics and there's epigenetics, which is the influence of your environment on the genes. Um, but it's sometimes very helpful to have that information, especially if we have prepubertal children, then we can kind of say, hey, you know, in a few years, if you notice these behaviors or these changes, it could be that this is now becoming an issue. Give us a call and we can make some recommendations around that at that time. Mm -hmm. All right. So we, we talked about the pre-pregnancy stages and um, what approach can we take for, for mothers who are pregnant and whether it's the first, second or third trimester, you know, are we at a point where it's too late to implement some strategies or, you know, what's, what are the options for, for those ladies? Well, we are very hopeful here. So we never say it's too late. We have patients all the way up through their early 20s that are still coming here to try and make changes um, because we feel like it's never too late to try and get healthy and, and maximize your potential for health. Um, so for that, no. But again, lots of education um, about what you're eating, the types of supplements and nutrients that you're taking, making sure that you're getting them from a veritable source. Um, lots of online places don't store things at the proper temperature. There's no guarantee that what's in the bottle is what's on the label, those types of things. So working with your provider um, with medical grade supplements from a company that's known and trusted um, by your practitioner is important. Um, and again, just supporting the body and giving the body what it needs to make sure the child and the mother um, get what they need. And stress reduction, that's something that is not given the credit it's due. Mm -hmm. When that fright or flight stress cascade happens and what that does to your immune system and that stress on the mother and the baby can make a huge difference um, and have a negative impact. And so self-care, which none of us do enough of, um, and, you know, taking care of yourself, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, meditation, mindfulness, um, yoga to the best of your ability, prayer, whatever works for you, having your hormones checked appropriately. If you need to take some adaptogens to help 
simmer down, um, appropriate acupressure, acupuncture. Again, if you're pregnant by someone who's specifically trained and how to do that on pregnant women, because there's certain points you don't want to touch when you're pregnant as it can trigger early labor. Um, but lots of different modalities like that, that can be helpful with just health and wellness mentally as well as physically. Mm-hmm. And you currently the director of the M Wellness Center. And we talked a little bit about what you do for some of these folks. Uh, what else does the center focus on? Um, so we do have a well and acute side. So, you know, our typically developing babies um, where parents want to advocate for their children and to have a say in the medical care for their children and what they would prefer to do in terms of interventions. Um, so we have that. And then sometimes though, we do pick up things on that side and we kind of walk them over to the functional side because there are some mm-hmm. concerns. Um, we do have detox, uh, room here as well. We have a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. We have a whole body agitator, oh, wow. the ion cleanse foot bath. We do energy medicine as well. So we have a biocharger and some cold lasers. Um, and my business partner has a, you know, really cool, she has a bioscanner, um, which uses Chinese meridians where you, you know, pass energy through the body and see where there are any weaknesses or areas of inflammation or, or things to that degree. Um, and um, so we try to incorporate that and we discuss with the family what their comfort level is. If they want to do pharmaceuticals, homeopathic remedies, herbs, they've had bad reactions to mushrooms, whatever the case may be. Nothing is one size fit all, uh, fits all. We don't have any fixed protocols. Everything is very tailored and unique to that patient and family. Um, and so we incorporate and listen to the parents. And, I, you know, we've had parents leave our intakes in tears because they finally felt heard. You wow, know, where they've been to amazing. doctor, to doctor, to doctor, to doctor, and have been dismissed and not mm-hmm. heard. Yeah, and I think that's not only commonplace in the pediatric uh, world, but in traditional medicine, we're seeing that all the time. You know, especially mm-hmm. when physicians are are seeing patients every fifteen minutes. You know, in in a uh, primary care setting, and it's just it's how can you care for a person in that given that short period of time? And you, you know, unfortunately, that's when it's the the easy route of prescribing a prescription drug is kind of the go to because the pill supposedly is self-explanatory and and can help with a lot of these problems and diagnoses that uh, physicians are treating in traditional medicine, which is unfortunate because we can accomplish so much more through, um, you know, counseling and education. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really needed, in my opinion, um, instead of the traditional route that we are all um, used to. And it's either that or referring to three different specialists that don't communicate with each other as though the body isn't a system (laughs) of networks working together. It's not just the ears, just the gut, just the heart. They all interact and engage and one affects the other and vice versa. Now, when I was uh, reading your your bio earlier, I mentioned um, pans and pandas. I'm not familiar with that. Um, Can you go into a little bit of detail as to what that is? What are some signs and symptoms of it? And how can we treat that? Sure. So PANDAS is an acronym, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorders Due to Strep, basically. And PANS is the same thing due to something else. So there are a set of common childhood illnesses that, you know, many kids get, get over it, no big deal. 
But for some people um, that are predisposed to having a dysfunctional or deranged immune response to those things, you can actually develop an autoimmune phenomenon where you develop antibodies to your own tissue, namely the brain and different parts of the brain. And then the result is a change in cognition, school performance, um, psychiatric disorders like OCD and tics as a result of the irritation of the brain from those antibodies. And so, you know, you can have a classroom, let's say 100 kids, and take someone in there with strep throat. Many might just get run-of-the-mill strep throat. A few may get absolutely nothing. Um, and then maybe one ends up with this phenomenon. And so some of the classic presentation may include a precipitous change in handwriting. So we did have a kid that did a kindergarten test in August, did the same test in November, got answers wrong that he got in August, and the handwriting, you can even decipher it, whereas before you could, Wow. along with some other behavioral changes. So that's one of the um, classic signs or symptoms of it. But again, some of it is debilitating tics, OCD, and other behavioral changes and cognitive changes. And so we've had good successes with children. Um, that have OCD and tics, and we you know, do the PANS, PANDAS workup, find the nidus, and address the immune dysfunction, and then work on clearing the virus. Because it's not just the virus or the bacteria, it's how the body's responding to it. It's a, there's a maladaptive response to it. And so we address that primarily reducing inflammation. And then once we get that settled and make sure that the cup is not running over um, in terms of the Herxheimer immune reaction um, that can come when you start to kill things. Um, and then we go after what we think may be contributing to the immune dysregulation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess in terms of treating these, you're basically treating this almost the same as you would be addressing a person who is in this autism spectrum or even ADHD. It's essentially all kind of, you know, cleaning the body out and building the body up Correct. Um, and, and, and they're all really connected. avoiding toxins. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap between all three of those, actually. Mm -hmm. And in your practice, um, are you basically focused on a lot of these type of conditions, or do you have regular well visits and things of that nature as well? Yes, yeah, so we do have regular well visits. We do regular diaper rashes, eczema, severe eczema, asthma. Um, our well visits, your first appointment with us, it's an hour. So to your point, in terms of 15 minutes isn't enough time. And when I say an hour, that's an hour of FaceTime with your practitioner minus maybe taking your vital signs. It's not sitting outside for an hour. We carve out that time just for you and your family. Um, your annual checkups may be about 45 minutes. A sick visit is 30 minutes. Again, that's FaceTime. So we have time to actually dig deep to the history, baby's history, mom's history, family history um, of how we got here. Um, and then again, making recommendations, which oftentimes do follow your standard, you know, developmental milestones, anticipatory guidance, but we weave in traditional support. Um, you know, we're not against Western or allopathic medicine. I tell people all the time, if I'm in a car accident and wrap my car around the tree, don't give me a garlic clove, take me to the OR and take care of me, you know, but we would like to do everything we can to help you before you get to that point right. in a more natural way. Right. Hey, Dr. Diva here. 
Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. You know, I, I want to be sensitive to this topic, but I really would love to get your opinion on, you know, with this whole situation and movement with anti-vaccinations and, mm -hmm. and anti-immunizations. How do you discuss this with parents who have questions about their immunizations, who don't want to go through their series of immunizations or want to spread them apart? I mean, what's your role in your practice? So my belief is um, it's our responsibility to make sure that the family is as educated as possible and not one-sided from one source. So we do offer several books that look at that issue from various ends of the spectrum in the middle with the plethora of resources in the back. We also take into account, again, personal and family history. Even the CDC will tell you for those live viruses, if there's a first-degree relative with immune dysregulation, reconsider. Maybe this isn't a good idea. And that's wow, on okay. the CDC website. Literally, if you Google CDC who should not vaccinate, it's there on their website. Unfortunately, in school for us, what's drilled is the schedule, the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. And then you're just kind of told, man, they might get a fever, they might get a rash. But there's a little bit more to that for some people. And so we try to honor that. <clears throat> we also make recommendations like we don't recommend Tylenol when you get your vaccines if you decide to do that, because Tylenol directly knocks out glutathione from your liver, which is a major molecule that your liver needs to detoxify. So we have given you these adjuvants that come in the vaccines and knock out your body's ability to clear them as effectively. So we recommend other things, detox baths, other things that we can do. We may even give a little glutathione with the vaccine. Um, we talk with individual families about what your actual risk is. Um, you know, some studies show if you wait until six months, you actually get a better immune response than if you start early. Um, other things like hepatitis B. If I have mom's hepatitis B status because she had the appropriate prenatal care when she goes to the, the hospital to deliver, the risk of the baby contracting it is 10, 15, 20 years out. You know, I got a hepatitis B series and I was in medical school before they let us in the hospital because we were going to be dealing with needles, scalpels, and bodily right. fluids. That makes sense. A 12-hour-old baby, all that aluminum, we can wait. Mm -hmm. um, if they're going to be home with mom and dad versus going to a daycare very early, you know, there are different set of risks. Um, and so we have some families that opt to do some things versus the others. They're going to go to daycare. So some of those communicable things they're more concerned about. So we allow them to do their research. We help support that. And then again, for those families that decide to vaccinate, we also offer support with detoxifying from some of the 
extra stuff. And so the issue that we have found many families have is not that they're so completely anti-vax. Everything is not so polarized. Their concern is, can we slow it down? Can we, you know, do it a little less often? Can we do these three first and then wait and do these three? And again, depending on the individual situation, that may be completely justified. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just being able to have that conversation in a safe space with the appropriate training, because again, there are families that are like, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm just not sure. And then when you take into consideration, most people that do decide not to vaccinate are actually highly educated. So it's not that they're unintelligent or unlearned, they actually have college or degrees or higher, and they've done the research. Um, A lot of people in science choose not to. Um, So it's just running the gamut and allowing the family to feel heard and then supporting their decision either way. I do believe that all children deserve medical care. Um, So we have practices in the area that will, you know, take you out of the practice if you don't follow the rigid uh, schedule. And and my heart breaks because where are they supposed to go? They still need care. And so we will, we will see them. Hmm. That's wonderful. And for those who elect to go through the immunization schedule that's recommended, do you have some sort of support or protocol that you implement for these infants that are going through the immunization process? Or are their bodies just too fragile to undergo some sort of detoxification process while they're while they're um, so being on an immunization? It does depend on the age, what we would recommend. Sure. Um so yeah, so it, it's tailored to the family, but yes, we would discuss with them, um, again, depending on what they decide to do, whether it's a live virus set or not, and um, what the personal risk factors are for the family and the age of the child and weight, yes. Yeah, and glutathione, that's a, that's a really um, excellent antioxidant to be using. Is there anything else that you would also um, stack on top of that? Yeah, maybe just simple, if the baby can tolerate it, Epsom salt baths or sea salt baths or clay baths, um, clay paste. You know, you can make a paste and put it over the area. Um, so there are essential oils. Like, so there are a lot of different gentle options. Um, simple things, making sure they're pooping in the bowels or moving because that's how you're clearing some of your toxins through your urine mm-hmm. and feces. So making sure there's no issues there, giving gut support, things like that. Mm-hmm. And finally, what I really want to get from you as a pediatrician and specifically a holistic pediatrician is what can we do for children now in terms of optimizing their health? You know, we're talking about just tidbits of information and advice, you know, you know, anything from eliminating screens or reducing screen time because it could have an influence on worsening their ADHD to things such as proper foods to avoid and things of that nature? So with the screen time, you also have to think about Wi-Fi and, and that how that affects the brain as well. So you've got the, the blue light sucking out the melatonin <laughs> for the kids. You have the dopamine stimulation for someone that may struggle with um, modulation. Um, and then also the Wi-Fi. So, you know, trying to make sure your Wi-Fi router isn't in or near your bedroom. You know, there, there was a group of high school kids in Europe that did a study where they put some ceilings next to a, a Wi-Fi router and some away from it. And the ones next to the Wi-Fi router didn't grow. Right. Um, so little things like that, you know, turning your Wi-Fi off at night when no one's using it or getting one of those that automatically drops off. Um, there are transmuters, stickers, and things that you can put on your devices. Um, 
I can't express how important clean water and clean food is. Um, EWG.org, put in your zip code, you can find out what's in your water. Um, fluoride, medications, hormones, all kinds of things are in your water. The plastic in the bottles that you're drinking um, disrupt your hormones um, and can impact um, different pathways in the body. The food is huge. Um, it's you know really, really hard to eat well and eat clean. Um, finding a good grocery store that's in your budget. I mean, even some of these big box stores have uh, a lot of organic options in the frozen section and fresh, depending on when you go. And reducing that load of, you know, the herbicides and pesticides. Trying to purchase food when it's in season in your area. A, it's going to be cheaper to get fruits and vegetables that are in abundance during that time of year, but also they're going to have more nutrients because they're being grown and harvested when they're supposed to be and not being harvested two weeks early, sprayed with some stuff and dragged halfway around the world before it gets to you. Um, a good quality multivitamin in the winter, vitamin D, clothes, people don't think about that. Wash your clothes before you wear them. Many of those colors are fixed in formaldehyde. Um, you talked about food dyes and things like that. You know, real food rots. I usually tell people stick to the perimeter of the store, fruits, veggies, meats, etc. out. Anything on an aisle that can survive a nuclear war probably shouldn't be a main staple of our diet. I go in there for the toilet paper and paper towels, maybe, you know, um, things like that. A variety of colors. So with little kids, it's hard sometimes to get them to try and eat new foods. And even with a typically developing child, it can take 12 to 15 tries to get them to eat something new or different. And these are things we start talking about in infancy when they're transitioning from formula or breast milk. Don't start with the fruit, the sweet stuff. You want to start with the vegetables and maybe even the meats and proteins to help reduce the nadir of the anemia that can happen around that nine-month age point. And also just you're honing the palate to appreciate those flavors versus just everything so sweet all the time. You know, every different fruit or vegetable is a different color due to the different set of phytonutrients that are in, included there. So, you know, eating the rainbow and the variety. Um, there are lots of co-ops. Um, there are some that you can even do online where you can have meat from a farm shipped straight to you. Um, fruits and vegetables, um, same thing, shipped straight to you um, that are going to be healthier and more bang for your buck. So you have to think, you have to plan, you know, you can't be out and about without a plan because then you're left <laughs> to what's around you, which oftentimes isn't very healthy. So it does take some effort. Um, we usually tell people don't go home and throw out your whole pantry. That's expensive. Um, but as something runs out, replace it with something healthier, turn the label over. If you can't read it, don't eat it. Like ketchup is supposed to be like tomato, vinegar, spices, you know, not the corn syrup and all the other things that oftentimes um, comes in a lot of processed foods. So just, you know, being more aware and cognizant of what you're doing um, and, and where you're choosing to eat and spend your money because you vote with your dollars. The more we mm -hmm. spend on healthier food, the more that will be encouraged and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was really a great synopsis. And I, I would imagine that if uh, parents followed all those recommendations, it would really mitigate the uh, necessity for being on, on medications. And in some oh, cases yes. would reduce the need. In some cases, we just, it would prevent even being on these medications in the first place. Absolutely. We have, you know, during our intake, that's one of the things we, because people want to leave with something to do. So we usually talk about diet and nutrition. 
And oftentimes, if they follow some of the things we recommend, by the time they come back in a few weeks to go over their results, they're already seeing improvements. And there have been documentaries that feature that as well. Um, We've had, again, children with bona fide autoimmune diseases with antibodies in the hundreds change the diet. And by the time we repeat it in three weeks, that number's cut in half just by changing the diet. We haven't done anything. We have other kids. And symptoms have improved too, right? Absolutely. Kids that have been on very harsh pharmaceuticals with significant potential side effects and they've sent us pictures in two months and we didn't even recognize the child they're putting wow. weight you know it's it's amazing if you just give the body what it needs it can do so much better wow that's amazing well for our listeners who are catching this show today if they want to find out more about you or maybe come visit you and your partner at work what is the best way for them to find you well, we are on Facebook and Instagram, um, the M Center. Um, you can also just go to our website, themwellnesscenter.com, T-H-E-M wellnesscenter.com, and you can give us a call, 888-381-8556. That's 888-381-8556. And we do do visits via um, telemedicine, especially now during COVID. That was my next COVID. question. Yep. Yeah, so we have a, a, a video teleconferencing module built right into our electronic medical records. So you don't have to awesome. download any extra apps or anything like that. And we can start our, um, our journey together that way. Yeah. Awesome. This has been so helpful. Thank you so much for the information and thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you. And thank you for having me. You're welcome.